0: Hey everybody, Mitch here. Just a quick reminder that we are doing another live show. We're in Glasgow this time. It's the twenty eighth of February from 6pm. It's at McFab's and it's free. Check our social media for all the information you need and don't worry, we'll be done in time for Lords of Chaos at Fryfest. See you there. Just
1: a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. Uh, and I'm Andy Stewart, yeah. And joining us today, she is a news editor at Wicked Horror and also a journalist and film critic for Birth Movies, Death, uh, Vague Visages, and the List. It's Joey Keo. Joey, hello.
2: Hi.
0: Hello, me. Joey. Hello, how are you?
2: I am very famous and important. <laughs> Uh, Everyone I'll, knows me.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm a little bit overwhelmed to be speaking to Joey Q.
2: To be in my presence. Yeah, you know, virtually.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my God. Uh, yeah, Mitch, you just watched this film for the first time.
0: Yeah, I did. Um, so, Joey, we are talking Queen of the Damned today at your direction.
2: <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, yes. When you asked me which movie there was, there was really only one choice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you were super and quick. I-
2: I know, I I thought to myself, you know what, give it a couple days and see if something else comes up. But no, it was just, it had to be this. It had to be.
0: Okay, so why this film? Tell us a little Um, bit about what got you to this point.
2: (laughs) I mean, my God, I wish I knew, right? So this came out like obviously 17 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I was 14 when this came out, which is obviously a very pivotal moment. And this was like a big awakening for me as like being like very serious goth, like into metal music like Mm. all just stupid stuff really (laughs) and i swear this is the truth i used to watch this movie every single week before sunday dinner with my family as some sort of like dark baptism like i don't know what i was even doing (laughs) um
0: you said you watched it every sunday over how long a period
2: oh god years (laughs) Years. sorry years (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, years. Um, and I had it on VHS, and I wore out that tape. And when I went to rewatch it last weekend for this, I was like, do I even own this? I mean, do I own this on DVD? You know, who knows? Maybe I don't. But no, I did. Yeah. I did. I had it in the pile, ready to go. Excellent. Excellent. And I just... It's its terrible, but I just love it so much. I, I understand that it doesn't make any sense. The movie, I mean. <laughs> Not my love for it. My love for it makes total sense, because it's just... So
0: ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Joey, I don't know if you've listened to the show before or not, but there is something that we get every guest to do at the start. Um, And I think this is going to be particularly interesting. Uh, So there will be people out there, I imagine, who may be listening to the episode that have not seen Queen of the Damned. So uh, this is where you come in. Andy's going to put 30 seconds on the clock, and we are going to ask you to give us your best 30-second synopsis of Queen of the Damned. How do you feel? (laughs)
2: Okay. Okay. I mean, it's it's such a complicated story, so I don't know if it's <laughs> going to be that clear enough.
0: Yeah, 30 <laughs> seconds is not a long time, but are you good for me to count you in and give this a shot? Yes. Okay, <laughs> three, two, one, go.
2: There's a vampire called Lestat, he wakes from hundreds of years of sleep and decides to start a metal band, or join a metal band rather, and his music is so amazing that it awakens the spirit of the long dead Queen Akasha, the queen of all the vampires, and then they fall into a romantic relationship and it's really gross, but there's also a human <laughs> who's in love with him, who has a vampire connection, and they all meet in a temple.
0: That's... I have a big chat. How are we doing?
2: Also, there's a concert.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there we go, that rounding out <laughs> a big the...
2: Concert. <laughs> Rounding out
1: the 30 seconds perfectly there. Uh, <laughs> well,
2: there's not much plot, okay? No. Not much actually happens. The big showdown is just in a room and it's like, okay, join me or die. No, I'm not going to.
0: <laughs> and, and that's it. That's the first time that anyone has gotten to the end of it, Um, the 30-second synopsis, with enough time to go back and add colour. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I just, I just was thinking the main set piece of the movie is this amazing concert that they used, like, thousands of goth extras for and yep. only that it was in australia like i would have been all over that <laughs> i would have been there i would have been so into that although i don't know how they would have done it live with jonathan davis singing like that doesn't make any sense oh
1: yeah yeah, yeah of course yeah yeah well but for anyone that doesn't know uh, queen of the damned is the sequel to interview with the vampire um actually it would technically be the third but uh you Could not stand those two films side by side, and for anyone, barring the nameless stat, to make any kind of connection to the two films. uh, This is more in common with Twilight. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's wild. Uh, No Tom Cruise, uh, replaced by a frankly terrible Stuart Townsend.
2: How dare you! (laughs) He is an Irish actor. I don't know where he has gone, but... (laughs) He learned the fiddle for this movie. He learned the fiddle.
0: I, I thought that he was actually playing it. He is. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty technical. Pretty technical but stuff.
2: Why you would bother, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Next it's going to be like, oh, yes, he also slept in a coffin, you know, just to make it authentic. Like, what are you doing? You don't need to play the fiddle. <laughs> I,
1: I, I quite like that he did, though. I like that he did. Yeah. yeah, it shows a level of commitment far beyond uh, what this film demands. Everett, what he did, what he didn't do though, was sing. He did not sing. No, you're quite right, Mitch. Uh, the vocals were uh, supplied by Jonathan Davis from Korn, who is also a composer on this film,
2: and it sounds super weird.
1: It is extremely jarring every time I see him open his mouth when he's singing.
2: Like, I don't think I was that familiar with Corum when I was 14. Like, I was probably just getting into all that music. Mm-hmm. But watching it now, it just seems... Like, why... I understand that Jonathan Davis did all the music, and fair enough. But mm-hmm. why didn't they get someone whose vocals more matched his look? Like Chester Bennington. Chester Bennington does one of the songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His his vocals would have probably matched a bit better, a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, they might as well they might as well have had David Draymond do it. Like, it just <laughs> just making, that, that first the first time you see him lying on the amp,
1: oh, wearing clothes
2: it. from God knows where. I don't know where he got the clothes because the person he killed wasn't wearing that. <laughs>
1: he's
2: lying there and he's making this like weird face, like a bat is gonna fly out of his mouth or something. It just is very. <laughs> bizarre like, it just doesn't work <laughs> but it's still obviously very sexy
0: naturally oh, yeah, very, very very much so it's a totally baffling character entrance actually but um yeah just like just before that happens kind of when we open we kind of uh we get the first of what is a lot of voiceover oh for fuck sake. No, and it's not just lestat's voiceover everyone's no. got voiceover
2: there's two there's two different narrators there's him and then there's marguerite moreau as well who is only the only other thing she's been in is wet hot american summer
0: (laughs) really but only other credit
2: yeah yeah so it's like huh why are you in this that is but but yeah it just it doesn't seem like considering they cut so much of the lore out and so much of the story because it's quite a thick book and it's you know there is quite a lot of plot considering they cut so much of it out I don't think they really needed two narrators to explain what was happening. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's yeah, a relatively simple uh, linear narrative. Uh, worth mentioning, Anne
0: Rice, who wrote the books, does not like this film. Ah, That's always a shame, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so yeah, Lestat in the beginning here is kind of pondering the isolation of immortality um, a little <laughs> bit. And then I like the fact that we just cut so sharply from his kind of existentialism to new metal. It's like, cool, I know what we're getting.
2: It's a great song though. It's a great opening number. And it sets the scene perfectly for what kind of film this is with the bandmates who are clearly not actors. They're clearly just real musicians and they're doing these weird Louisiana accents that are way over the top, which I only noticed this time around. And it was pointed out to me that, oh yeah, he lives in Louisiana. That's where Lestat is from. And I'm like, what? (laughs) But is that why he's down by the docks? (laughs) I don't understand, because I'm watching it and I'm going, why is he down by the water? What's <laughs> happening? Where is he?
1: He does a lot of disappearing and reappearing here. He uh, sets out his stall as vampire incredibly early and is completely unafraid to uh, be vampire or as vampiric as possible in front of these people.
2: Well, I think his powers are very unclear as well. Like, <laughs> he can he can fly and he can do all this other stuff, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) Even within the context of the film, he seems to be quite a powerful vampire, but I don't really understand why. (laughs) 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 Yeah, for for
0: sure, the rules seem to be pretty elastic on that.
2: Right? Like, there's a lot of stuff that they seem to be able to do that would... I mean, even at the very beginning when he talks about, oh, you know, I was going to go to sleep and then a sort of death might happen... They later on explain how you could kill a vampire, or how a vampire could kill himself. Why didn't he just do that? <laughs> like, why does he go to bed? <laughs> it's, it seems like such a strange solution. It's like no, but you know that you knew that wasn't going to work because you know you can't die that way. But you know there are ways to die. Why didn't he just do one of those one instead of, of, of instead of this weird onstage suicide? <laughs>
1: I like like that he inserts himself into the band practice and just says, I'm now your singer.
2: Yeah, exactly, because were they just, this is the thing, were they playing instrumental before? Because they go on without him after he goes at the end, there's like a headline being like, they're going to carry on without him. And I'm like, so were they just playing instrumental or were there lyrics? Did he come up with all the lyrics? What were they doing before? Were they an actual band even? Yeah. Also, what is the band called? Is the band called Lestat, or is the band called The Vampire Lestat? The because vam- the second the second one's not very good.
1: The Vampire Lestat is the name of the band. Is it uh, really? Very on, very on the nose.
2: But that isn't very good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like you might, uh, that, that's something you could say quite often over the duration of this film. Oh, come on now. I'm I'm sorry, sorry, Mitch, am I being too harsh?
0: No. I don't know. What, what I think is funny is, like I like, say, so he kind of inserts himself and takes over the mantle. Instantly, and then kind of in the next, like, the next thing we see is that they are literally the biggest metal band in the world. Yeah. 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 All the prosperity that he's he's promised them has come in record time. The press conference that follows this is...
2: Is amazing. Oh my
0: God, it's absolutely incredible.
2: That one woman gets, like, three questions. (laughs) Why does she get so many questions? They keep going back to her. Everyone else is just like, yeah, yeah, great. Like, I'm just sitting here for no money. What? <laughs> how, how are you going to write a story about this? Are you just going to steal other people's quotes?
1: <laughs> um, Mitch, just going to gloss over the music video over the credits, are you? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, the the weird cabinet of Dr. Caligari thing, uh, where, he's, where he is actually popping up out of coffins like Ozzy Osbourne in that video.
2: You know, all of the music videos are included on the DVD.
1: Yeah, I did actually actually notice that, but I haven't done a really deep dive into the contents of the DVD beyond the the surface of watching the film.
2: (laughs) Well, I had a look and they were very (laughs)
0: impressive. (laughs) (laughs) I I just watched this with Andy, like literally right before we did this, and he kept that detail to himself. I might insist that we binge on them after we do this. That's fine. (laughs) but yeah i i think the, everything about the press conference is an absolute fucking riot see the fact that um uh he's addressing them as a giant head on a screen for instance <laughs> i think is wonderful but see what you're saying about um first off the, the first guy that asked the question accuses him of uh disseminating vampire secrets yeah <laughs> which yeah. i think it's brilliant through his letters. Aren't,
2: aren't they gonna be pissed off at you yes okay next question (laughs)
0: um and then yeah the um the lady that gets all the questions i love her part in question of do you have anything to say to the other vampires listening
2: yeah and then it cuts to like later on you see this is my favorite thing you see like these vampires stood in times square watching him on like NBC, (laughs) who are for some reason showing this press conference (laughs) and they're just like Oh, look at him. We're going to get like, what? In Times Square with all the tourists? (laughs) Vampires are everywhere. There are so many.
0: (laughs) It is a weird place to have the kind of the summit meeting about that.
2: Is the press conference taking place at night? Because it seems to be. But if he's not even going to be there, why can't he just be in a dark room? (laughs) Yeah. Like, why does he have to, like, I understand not having him in the room because, I don't know, he might eat everyone or something. Yeah. But but it's clear, it seems to be nighttime, and yet he's in a separate room on a big screen. Why not just do it at a reasonable hour? Like, all those journalists would have had to wait around. Yeah, yeah. So, fuck knows what time, for like five minutes. And there's this whole thing about, oh, we're only doing one gig, but later on it says that they had to cancel the world tour. So that was clearly a lie. <laughs> it wasn't one gig. I don't like repeating myself. Well, then you're not going to make any money, are you? Like, what? A, why would the band agree to this? Yeah, one gig. Sounds good.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. That's um, that's that's such a good shout. Yeah. Oh, man. I didn't consider that at all. Um, We pivot straight out of this to Glastonbury, England. <laughs>
2: yes. That I actually looked up to see if they did film in London, and they did not. They <laughs> yeah. filmed in Australia. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I, I had uh, no question whatsoever about whether or not they filmed in London. I was one hundred percent sure from the get go that they
0: did not.
2: <laughs> I was hoping it was a little bit.
0: <laughs> I had no such suspicion and accepted at face value that it was England.
2: But come on, that bit when she's like in the back alley—clearly London. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Crouch End Lane or something.
0: Yeah, it's proper Whitechapel, Victorian London.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> At this point, we get um the fact that Lestat's manager is kind of shadily bringing women to him. Yeah, it brings a it brings a just a series of young goths for Lestat to eat.
2: They're not real goths though; they're fakers, they're yeah. posers. Which Ooh. I think is not as kind of implied as that he's not like the real goths wouldn't go with him because they'd be like, "No, I don't believe this." <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right, sure. I'm
2: too busy listening to Bauhaus. Please excuse me.
0: <laughs> the first Vampire Attack follows here, and it is to the tune of Cold by Static X. At this point, I was uh, realizing that I was going to spend a lot of this film writing notes with one hand and Shazamming with the other.
2: <laughs> it is a phenomenal soundtrack. No was- joke. This is probably my favorite soundtrack of all time. I love it. I wanted to listen to it immediately afterwards, and I was shocked to learn it wasn't on my phone. Oh what? <laughs> I know, I was like, what am I supposed to do? But I genuinely I think the soundtrack is great, and I think the soundtrack kind of elevates it.
0: I think you're probably right.
1: Yeah, I, I can't imagine any, any other kind of music, or if it was a strictly orchestral score, I think I would have found that even more unsettling.
2: Because it's played so straight, like it's campy as fuck, but it's played really, really straight by everybody. So imagine if it was just this these violins over it you'd be like what is happening.
0: Yeah, no no no. I think I think that it's weird it's like it kind of it obviously dates it in a way but I think that the soundtracks actually aged pretty well. Yeah.
2: I think so too. I think it's a great soundtrack. I mean if you think about who's on it like Static X, Disturbed, Chester Bennington, Jonathan Davis, Mar- Marlon Manson, Manson Depeche Redeemer yeah. on the soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it is a who's who of sort of the new metal champs. Papa Roach are on there as well. Like it's it is a very well-curated soundtrack. Obviously, John Davis doing all the songs doesn't work quite as well.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> as, as seen through Stuart Townsend. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: right about this point as well, you learn that the new album's called Forsaken. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wait, no.
2: No, the album's called... Wait. No, 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 you're right. It is called Forsaken. I was thinking <laughs> when that when she's watching MTV us even though she's supposed to be in london yeah and they say oh the latest single from the monster debut album redeemer but that's the name of the song ah, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. of course yeah. so just to be clear i do know the movie off by heart <laughs> <laughs> at this point as you
0: said we um we kind of we meet jesse at this point uh kind of uh with the mtv news on in the background <laughs> plying her trade at the Talamasca center for paranormal studies
2: is that a real thing
0: i'd say
1: not i haven't fact checked though i could very quickly google that Match-
2: just just to know because if they don't the whole thing is the code is like they never intervene so then what is the point of them <laughs> like they just see this dark shit happening and they're like cool
0: yep dark shit Light that
2: down <laughs> okay lunchtime like yep. what
0: <laughs> That's a fair point.
2: They're all like a hundred years old as well. They're really old. So,
0: do do they refer to like members of their number as Talamaskins? Yes, they do. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they
2: do. Really, all we know is that Jesse is still an apprentice, and she's not allowed to go and take photos of things.
0: Yeah, she she was um she kind of gets shouted down for having ideas above her station here, doesn't she? <clears throat>
2: she really does. And your man, her mentor, David, like I don't. I mean, obviously, he's like in love with Marius. That comes up later. But at first, I thought that maybe he was in love with her a little bit.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah.
2: And yeah. it was a bit of a weird kind of relationship.
0: I know, I can, I can understand why on first look, that may be what you glean. But,
2: but obviously, he's obsessed with somebody else.
0: Yes, um, which we also find out pretty quick at the back of that. <laughs> I have a
1: Talamasca Centre for Paranormal Studies uh, update. Oh, go on. Um, what I've found is that uh, there's a Facebook page set up, <laughs> which gives you... Yeah, it's got 49 likes. It's uh, down there as a local business. Um, and uh, yeah the Talamasca Centre for Paranormal Studies London UK but only 49 likes
2: Um
0: I think we need to start promoting the hell out of this as part of the promotion for this episode <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're doing the Lord's work well, <laughs> well not they're doing Satan's work but that's even better yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah, uh, so we get our first kind of uh, get our first kind of chat about Marius at this point, and that's off the um, David having a kind of sideline conversation with Jesse, and then uh, we disappear into a very long flashback.
2: Oh. Yeah, I, this this to me is the most frightening part of the film, and even when I was younger and I was watching it, I find find this part quite tough because it's the only part that feels like interview with the vampire. Oh okay. yeah, because yeah, one hundred percent. You know they're wearing like the old timey costumes and they are they like Lestat's accent is even weirder. He
1: he <laughs> does have a real uh a proper vampire voice, like like the he, count.
2: He does, doesn't he? He I don't know, I'm trying to think of some of the words he says, but just he says words and he sort of like rolls them around in his mouth.
1: He says, I'm extremely ticklish.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, oh, or No, no but, no thanks. When, his first narration where he says that the world sounded different and then there's like a pause and then he goes better
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: it's like do you speak English or not <laughs>
0: um yeah we're back to the 1700s yeah thereabouts. boats yep. yeah where uh yeah was is bitten by Marius and kind of kind of gets taken on as a kind of vampire apprentice, as far as I can tell.
2: Yeah, he lets him live for whatever reason. I guess he was watching him and thought, ooh, this guy seems cool, but I don't really know why.
0: Yeah, and Marius
1: as well, I've got to say, Vincent Perez here, also terrible.
2: Are you serious? (laughs) Oh my God, I think Vincent Perez is the absolute best in this. He is so campy. He has that great line about, like, Lestat says to him, oh, how did you make it through the 50s in red velvet? And he goes, I slept. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> he's just playing
2: it, and then he says something about missing Elvis. Like it's
1: That's right. I yeah. just
2: think he plays it so well. D- because th- he, like, he seems to be the only one who understands how ridiculous it is, whereas everyone else is like, this is so serious. Mm. This is vampire lore. We have rules.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you think that that makes him the MVP of the piece, then?
2: I think so. I think he's just great. I mean... I don't know, their, their conversation about vampire fashion doesn't make any sense either. Like, do vampires have their own style? Do they go and buy clothes? Do they have money? Yeah. I mean, like, do they have their own society? And how does it work, economically speaking?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
2: Marius is just... But, I mean, even the paintings, like, when you see those paintings of Marius, they're so funny because it starts off like Renaissance and then it gets better and better. And they just stop before doing like a full-on Andy Warhol yeah
1: yeah that's very like, close
2: they, right they like they might as well have just been like Andy Warhol
0: <laughs> the kind of training sequence that you get here is it's it's it feels pretty long in the moment I think
2: yeah
0: um, I think that this is possibly kind of maybe the stretch of the film that I found the hardest work
2: oh because um, there was less new metal
0: <laughs> but yeah. I mean I mean basically yes uh, we spend a hell of a long time with Marius and Lestat, actually too much time, I would say. Mm. Although I think that it's established that kind of like part of the reason that you see that is because um, Marius seems to be kind of like trying to kind of sand down the corners of Lestat's remaining kind of humanity. Because
2: uh-huh.
0: he kills off that violinist and then f- is immediately very sad about it, and I think that he's kind of and Marius kind of is kind of like you have to get used to the fact that this is going to be normal now.
2: But like the kill itself. I, I mean, I've seen this a hundred times. I still don't understand. Did he mean to break her neck or no? Because he has this look on his face afterwards like, oh, what have what I done? I, oh,
0: fuck. Yeah, see, I thought that. I I, yeah. I, couldn't tell if it was intentional or not.
2: Like, is it, was he going to bite her neck and he just went too rough? Or was he trying to break her neck so she would die kind of more peacefully? Like, it just seems like such a strange shot of him like, oh... I'm what have I done?
1: I got the I got the impression that he was pulling her head back to go in for a bite, but uh, unaware of his newfound vampiric strength, just oh. wrenched her wrenched her head back like a Pez dispenser.
0: <laughs> that's not a bad theory. Yeah, I, I could reasonable. be wrong. <laughs> it's around this time that Lestat got. Well, we cut back, and as I was saying, Andy's, we we're watching this. I feel like thirty or thirty-five percent of this entire film is Lestat waking up. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that amazing part after he first gets his first drink of blood when he sits up and he goes more, <laughs> and you're thinking, was that seriously the best take you got of that? <laughs> like, good lord! I mean, it's just. <laughs> but but yeah, there is a lot of just Lestat kind of coming to and being like, Bleh.
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like wicking w- 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 with a start. Yeah. Yeah, he goes to, like, in search of Marius and finds, um, ends up in the kind of tomb that we saw at the very beginning. Sorry, Mitch, this you is where tells. you said this is so silly. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, when the lobby was kind of illuminating with yeah. all the fire and stuff. But he goes in, plays a jaunty tune on the violin, and the statue awakens. I see when he turned the hand over the statue and sees the veins there. Yeah. Bites into it, the visions and all that kind of thing. It's quite into that. Hears the voice of the, the Queen Akasha over
1: what is transparently a music video. Um... <laughs> And uh, yeah, we we learn that she is uh, the queen of all the vampires. Marius turns up here, dropping off some pretty massive exposition bombs.
2: Yeah, he they interrupted his nighttime painting because <laughs> he's on the beach and he's like, "What was that? I I sense a disturbance in the vampire force. Something's <laughs> happened. I have to get back." And then he's like, "What have you done?" Uh.
0: Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's not amused with uh, the evening's transgressions. Marius wakes up again. This time, tied to a bed. You mean Lestat? Yeah. Lestat, sorry, Lestat, yeah. yes. And um, and yeah, it's at this point that we kind of learn all that we need to know to set us up for um, Akasha's arrival in a little while.
1: This is a remarkably well-kept marble temple under what is, I guess, a castle.
2: But where does he put them afterwards? Like, I was joking watching it the last time, that like, are they just kept in a, like a New York deli or something? <laughs> just like down in the basement? Because how, how does she get free again? When they show that she's got free again, it seems like it's the same place. But it can't be the same place because he's taken them away yeah so where are they
1: maybe he just as soon as uh he hadn't seen Lestat for a few months he just moved back
2: oh maybe <laughs> he he does always know where he is because he said that he to does, him yeah. i always know where you are that sounded like tommy Wiseau. that did sound
1: like tommy was <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> he should have been cast <laughs> he loves vampires so. <laughs> I made you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't touch me, motherfucker.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm tired of this world.
1: <laughs> um, that's basically uh Lestat's voiceover. Like that's the kind of stuff he's coming out with. Yeah, he's fed up with this world. <laughs> yeah.
2: He is. I mean, I don't know. I suppose because he can't get a human connection or something, but why didn't he ever try and, you know, fuck a, another vampire? Because he stops that girl from opening his pants, which I was thinking, okay, whatever, it doesn't work. But then later on, he has (laughs) sex with Akasha. So he can have sex with vampires. Why didn't he just meet a vampire lady? Yeah. And hang out with her.
1: (laughs) At the risk of being quite (laughs) crass, surely a vampire doesn't have flowing, pulsing blood in their veins. So perhaps there's an, an erectile issue.
2: Well, that's what I thought. But then he does definitely have sex with Akasha. Although he does seem to keep his pants on for a lot of
1: it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he keeps those leather pants on when they're in bed and stuff. Yeah.
1: The same level of discomfort that uh, What's-His-Face-For-The-Room had when he was doing those sex scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah, when yeah. Like, Greg Sestero had to keep his jeans
0: on because he was freaking out.
2: Like, it just, yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe he's like a never like device for the rest of the <laughs> um narrator switch at this point oh jesus yeah the first of a couple of narrator switches uh jesse dissatisfied with uh being kind of shut out of the kind of meat of this investigation is going rogue yeah
2: but also also you forget she was really touched by his journal for some reason
0: oh yeah yeah very moved
2: because she like she put she closes it and she's like huh oh my god what how terrible it's like what why was that so touching? I just, it was kind of boring and went on too long. <laughs> yes.
1: it, it was. Uh, but she flies in the face of the rules again, uh, despite being told to keep her nose out, and returns to this vampire pub in what is clearly foggy old London. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes. But now, this place is uh, extremely threatening to a non-vampire.
2: And yet, many people have been lured there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Including a, like, a businessman who is loving it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know the one you mean. Oh.
2: Like, they have music on the stereo, but they also have a live band who's playing, who sound like the band from the cantina in Star Wars. And what's even weirder is that they seem to have Lestat's videos on a loop, but it's made clearer later on when they go back there that they all hate him. And I mean, I can understand why, because they're like, oh, this guy is such a faker and whatever, and he's making a show of us. Why would they be playing his videos? Yeah. Like, why would you want to dance to his songs or even look at him?
0: Yeah, you're right. On like a on a on a near continuous loop.
2: Yeah, it just seems strange. <laughs> but I mean, the whole like the fact they even have a bar. <laughs> I was saying this last time. I was like, but why do they have a bar? Like, how do they pay for drinks? Why would they even want a drink? And it was pointed out to me that no, the drinks are for the humans. They bring.
1: Ah, like, I, was, um, I was just about to say, surely, yeah, like
2: to I, loosen them up. But I'm thinking, okay, but I mean, the bartender who works there just works there for free. <laughs> It just stands there all night, just serving drinks to humans. Like, and then at the end of the night, it's like, yeah, you can have whoever's left.
0: <laughs> um, I uh, appreciate your healthy interest in how the vampire economy supports itself. <laughs>
2: I'm just, I'm just very confused. <laughs> Where do they buy their clothes? <laughs> <laughs> because they all look really cool it's like they all look like they shop in camden
0: yeah <laughs> and when marius comes back later they co- he comments on the fact that obviously like, what they're wearing is a choice so they must get them from somewhere because he says something like oh you're still wearing the old fashions the old fashions that's,
2: exactly, that's precisely what he says he says you're still wearing the old fashions as though like oh you're not very stylish based <laughs> on what you're vampires nobody sees you apart from each other <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I guess it does make sense then that it would be for the humans uh, at yeah. this bar because otherwise surely it would all
0: just be various bloods.
2: I guess. Yeah. I didn't see anyone drinking like a glass of blood. That would have been cool.
0: Yeah, I would have taken that. Yeah. Um before I, I don't wanna I don't wanna race past the fact that we kinda get we got our first meeting of uh, Jesse and Lestat. Sure, yeah, here. yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It's very sexy. Sexy as fuck, yeah. It is very sexy when he sucks her thumb. <laughs> that was very arising.
1: The start rescues uh, Jesse from uh, some pretty aggressive vampires, um, and rather than thank him, she uh, immediately starts quizzing him about his lyrical content and the meanings—the <laughs> the meanings therein. I have a real problem with the way vampires move when they're being vampiric in this.
2: Yeah, it's sort of like it's been sped up or something. It's really strange.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like they're kind of phasing across the screen. Yeah it's it's I think it's it's a strange look. I th- I think it's the it's the effect in the film that looks the worst and that's kind of unfortunate because it's the one that's also probably used the most. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: And I mean like the gore and stuff is pretty good.
0: I think so. so I'm sorry. It,
2: it- it seems strange that they decided this part should be really goofy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like straight at the back of this, we hear that Jessie's back on the phone to David and um, she's continuing to uh, ruffle the feathers of the higher, higher up uh, rattling some telemasking cages. She's going to <laughs> a stats gig, whether they like it or not.
2: Yeah. And David tells her you're obsessed with him. And I'm thinking, yeah, she is, but why it doesn't, it's, I think at the end, you could kind of make the argument that she feels a connection to him that she doesn't quite understand yet. Mm-hmm. But when she's on the phone and he's like, you're becoming obsessed with him, and she's like, ha, 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 ha. Like, she giggles like a schoolgirl. I'm thinking, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, I, I understand what he looks like, but he is a vampire. <laughs> Why are you following him?
0: We got a first look at Akasha pretty shortly after this. Our first proper look at Akasha. Obviously, like you saw mm-hmm. kind of a flash of her when the statue was waking up and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Character entrance, what do we think?
2: See, I think she looks badass. And I've been told that um, lately a lot of black girls have been doing this as, like, a cosplay. They've been doing Akasha, which I think is so cool. I think yeah. if you've got the body for it. Like, I think her costume is really, I mean, obviously it looks ridiculous because she looks all Egyptian and weird. But <laughs> <laughs> like she's wearing, like, gold-plated, this gold-plated bra and stuff. But she does move kind of funny because I guess she's just getting used to not being a statue anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I, I I quite like the the introduction of Akasha and the bar scene. I, well, when she
2: rips out that guy's heart and eats it, that is so good.
1: Yeah, I'm into that. I thought that was a good moment. Yeah, and if she's not
2: eating hearts, she's incinerating people. Yeah, she has some crazy powers, but you, have, you must note, the shot of her walking through the fire has not aged well.
1: No,
0: it has not. That is very it, true. Uh, it, it,
2: it is not convincing. <laughs> no,
0: um, although I did I, I did like the uh, the Lonely Island cool guys don't look at explosions Where she came out of the fire. Like very like kind of not looking back kind of like it was quite a, quite a cool exit even though like you mm. said the actual, the actual effects themselves don't look good.
2: No, <laughs> but she looks good. Oh, I mean uh, like obviously she died before they were done mm. which is why her voice sounds so weird because her brother had to do some of the ADR. Yeah. Like she's, she's not bad, it's just a ridiculous fucking character. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. That's fair. Can I just jump back a wee bit to when um, uh, Lestat and Marius, uh, just after they're kind of reunited, and they decide that they're going to go and sit on the big billboard and have a chat, and they're, li- oh, yeah. they're literally sitting on a 50-foot image of Lestat's leather-clad crotch.
2: Yeah, I loved it as a kid.
0: It was very sexy.
2: <laughs> that's all That's all I just keep saying is, it was
0: very sexy. Yeah. It, was a, it was a hugely erotically charged sequence.
2: But don't, but later on, don't forget, Lestat lies in like a massive, like some sort of telecommunications.
1: Satellite. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he's satellite, on, that's yeah. the word.
2: Yeah. And he lies on it and it's like, what's he doing?
1: That's just to show that he's kind of conflicted and he's lonely and he feels insignificant and small in the world.
2: I like that he's, um, that he sleeps in a coffin or at least he hangs out in a coffin and his bandmates are like, sequestered off in this other room just watching movies and having a good time like he can't even hang out with them
0: why
2: not (laughs) he said he's not going to kill them
0: (laughs) um i think that what follows here is possibly and there's a few contenders but i think that this is the most superfluous piece of voiceover in the film when alistair explains Mm. in voiceover that the vampires are going to kill him at the gig or try to yeah, I was like, kind of like, yeah, yeah. Und- understood. You know, like I think that that had been established.
1: <laughs> you have brought this down upon yourself. that? we've watched, um, we've watched the machinations of this
0: unfold. Uh, Plus, they've and-
2: already told Akasha in the bar. They say, <laughs> "Oh, we're going to dismember him." Mwah.
0: Yeah, like um, I, I think that like uh, that had already been kind of signposted clearly enough without it being expressly told to me. Just by going back to the satellite, there, um, the
1: it's uh, the the real uh, isolation. Lestat's feeling is delivered in the line, uh, "Better dead than alone." Hmm. Oh, my! Yeah. <laughs> just <sort of>. God. <laughs> Papa Roach time
2: Excuse me, not just Papa Roach time, Jonathan Davy Davis cameo time, yes, yeah,
1: Jonathan Davis cameo Claxon
2: It's amazing. it makes no sense <laughs> it, <laughs> like he he might as well have been taking like giving her her boarding pass at the airport or something, yeah, yeah, for all the like, oh, yeah, I' gonna sell you some tickets, <laughs> like okay. <laughs> Also, she's she gets in the limo really quickly. Like considering the guy is saying, "Oh yeah, I need two girls. I need two girls." There's a load of girls there. Does she just shove everyone out of the way? <laughs> no, me. It has to be me. We'll, I'll, take,
0: we'll take the one that's considerably older looking. Also, like uh, it's it's like if that's a, like a critical element of her plan, that's leaving quite a lot to chance.
2: It definitely is. Like well, so, she has to get over there. She has to get into whatever the backstage bit is. Then later on, we see her actually at the gig. So she must have got a ticket as well, possibly from Jonathan Davis.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can say. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I do not care about the Blossom and partnership between Lestat and Jesse. Not one bit. Um, they have no chemistry whatsoever. They've got uh, like the same level of chemistry of two actors who are thrown onto a scene together without ever, having ever really met.
2: I don't know. I think he has more chemistry with Marius.
1: <laughs> I, but, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. You know what? Show me that love story. <laughs> Just watch an <laughs> interview with a vampire.
2: There's that weird bit as well, um, probably one of my favourite lines in the film, where he asks her where she came from and she says London and he goes, a London goth. Yeah. <laughs> like, as though that's weird. Yeah. That's not weird. It's fucking London. Like yeah. It's not like she said, oh, yo, I'm from Arizona. And he's like, ooh, an Arizona goth. That's weird. Isn't it hot there?
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> like
2: a, Lond- a London goth. Ooh, very, very obscure. As I live I've heard many of those.
0: <laughs> a Tibetan goth. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> At this point, the new metal quotient was amped up in a way that made Andy furious and me delighted, which was the appearance of Down with a Sickness on the soundtrack. I have re- yes. I have that and I here. just have
2: to say, I have to say, <laughs> I watched this last weekend with my fiance, who's seen it like a million times as well, because we're both losers. Uh-huh. And <laughs> he thought <laughs> that Disturbed were opening for the Vampire stat. <laughs> he didn't realize that they were being played on a sound system. Because you know the way it cuts off really abruptly, because that's what happens when you're at a real gig. It cuts off, you get excited because the band's coming on stage. Yes. He was <laughs> like, oh, what happened to Disturbed? Like, they just, go- just had to leave? And I'm like, no, man. They, they weren't went- there. Disturbed
0: <laughs> <laughs> the was not there. <laughs> that is that is fucking
1: remarkable. I love it. I've got written here, fuck this, it's disturbed. I'm out of here. David Draymond is my limit.
2: It is the perfect song for it though. Like I know Zack Schneider used the uh, Richard Cheese version for the Dawn of the Dead remake and that was kind of perfect too, mm-hmm. but this is perfect for Queen of the Damned.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, I um I'm, I'm unrepentant, disturbed advocate. Zack Snyder uses them both mm. in that film, yeah. Um, David has come to the show, and I said to Andy as we we're watching this, he looks like a sullen dad at a spine shank gig. <laughs> um, Actually, I really, I think that this production uh, and
1: the fact that they've pulled all this big what what is uh, on the surface it's supposed to be a giggle, though it looks boring as fuck. No one looks like they're having a good time. Um, but uh, I think on the surface it looks pretty impressive. I mean, there's fireballs going off, there's three thousand goths here. It's quite the production. And those
2: are. Like, those are real extras. Like, they yeah. got real people to come along. But they all seem to have really strange props. Like, a lot of people have plastic, like, pitchforks and stuff. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why would they be selling this kind of merchandise?
1: Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's really goofy. Is he not very serious? I do love his entrance. I love that first song they do. And I love how he comes on stage, even though it looks stupid.
0: Oh, when he flies in. And- <laughs>
2: yeah and he's like, but that's cool and he's wearing clothes from like the Andy Beersack collection where it's like not a real shirt and it's kind of like made of see-through material <laughs> yeah it's
1: extremely sheer you can see his you can see his nipples quite clearly
2: and he's like and it's also cut down the sides like it's open all down the sides as well see but I-, I think he like he does a pretty good job of being like a front man that you totally believe yeah until he says you want more and it comes
0: across really weird. Oh yeah, no, that is that is grim. I think that, I think that, yeah, like I kind of buy him as a frontman here. Apart from, like I say, we've kind of touched on it already. How yeah. jarring it is to hear Jonathan Davis's voice coming out of his mouth. This is the most yeah.
1: egregious uh, incident of that. I think it's because when you're watching him in videos and stuff, you've got that kind of separation, but when you're actually seeing him perform
0: as the centre point yeah. in these scenes, it's more mad, maddening than other. Yeah, it's the first time in the film, I guess, that it's kind of front and centre, and it's quite long. You see quite a lot of it, and I think that, yeah, as a result, I think that it's how weird it looks and how kind of unnatural it looks is kind of shoved to the forefront.
2: I wonder, for people who aren't aware of Jonathan Davis and aren't aware of Korn, if it seems really normal to them. Like, there have to be people out there who watched it and thought... Yeah, that makes
0: sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, this is the other thing, and maybe this is part of it, because, I mean, I uh, have listened to Korn since I was very young, mm-hmm. and uh, and as a result, it's like, and obviously his voice is pretty distinctive anyway, but if you're a fan, it's kind of, it's... Uh, really, incredibly so. Yeah, uh, yeah, really, really, really... Hang like. on a fucking minute.
1: What? He learned to play the fucking violin, but he couldn't take a singing lesson.
2: Hey, apparently... He could sing, and could sing quite well, but for whatever reason, they didn't use his voice. That's But weird. I kind of don't know if I believe that. Like, I know when Andy Biersack from Black Veil Brides did American Satan, he didn't sing with his own voice. He sang with someone else's voice because of who he was under contract with. Right. So I could understand that, like, the band is, is under contract with whoever. Mm. But with Stuart Tenzan, I'm like, you're not a professional singer. Why couldn't they just have you do it? It's it's metal singing. It's not opera.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that is weird.
2: So he must not have been as good sing- a singer as they're letting on.
0: Yeah, I think that's the only explanation. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, but the actual the, the performance footage is a pretty wild time. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: there's that amazing fight scene in the middle of it that involves a lot of spinning and. Ugh. landing in a perfect push up and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and, and then she comes out of the floor and oh. you know Marius is there i mean all the all of the elder vampires are there for some reason i guess they live pretty close or something <laughs> they all live in california and it was you know oh we'll just head down there
0: <laughs> it was it was drivable yeah. for all of them uh, yeah
2: you know and then obviously david like you said who knows how david got there so quickly who knows how he got a ticket <laughs> i uh,
0: probably probably bought one of Jonathan Davis. Yeah.
2: Was, yeah. Was he's so lucky to run into her. You know, <laughs> in, in a concert of like thousands of people, he sees her almost immediately. Yeah. And he's like, Jesse, Jesse, over here. <laughs> and she hears him perfectly.
1: <laughs> over the chugga chugga chugger of the vampire Lestat. <laughs> Um, I, I've got a real problem with Akasha's entrance here. It's supposed to be kind of grand and bombastic, but she is li- so transparently on a riser coming up through a oh, hole in the big stage. big time.
2: Big time.
1: Uh, I actually think it undercuts her arrival quite significantly.
2: But I mean, she could have just entered from side stage.
1: <laughs> yeah, or float on, like, that? Much,
2: like But it, it would have had just as much of an impact. <laughs> like, Why does she have to come up from the floor?
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fairness though, she does fly off stage with Lestat.
2: Oh, that's true. So that's pretty and it's impressive. Very convincing.
1: And and very sexy.
2: <laughs> hey, you glossed over when he flew with Jesse like earlier on, which I did not realise was what was happening until probably the last time I watched it. Because it's <laughs> such a weird sequence. You know, they're kinda of like there's all this like flowing air and they're looking at each other very lovingly. Like I didn't know that's what was happening. Yeah, it does yeah. not tear.
0: It's, it's also very sexy. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, when she cuts her tit so he can suck on it, that's yeah, pretty sexy. That,
1: that is very sexy. And
2: he, sees, he sees the blood and he's like, oh my gosh, blood.
0: <laughs> I'm glad that we're arriving at some consensus about the sexiness, though. Yeah.
1: Uh, my anger at Disturbed is immediately quashed with the arrival of the music of tones. Yes. Oh,
2: my God. Could there be a more perfect sex scene song? Like, it's just perfect. I'm back in
1: for the sexy rose petal love bath.
2: Yeah, which, again, she just seems to be feeding on him. Like, what is happening? Is she a cannibal? Like, (laughs) I mean, she does feed on her own kind, but isn't he her lover? I don't understand.
0: Yeah, see, this is... Yeah, this is kind of confusing because I understand and like when Marius was dropping the Akasha exposition bombs earlier, yeah. he does say that she has a taste for blood, both mortal and immortal. Fine. I'm <laughs> right, like, fine, yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah
2: like, no, that makes
0: sense. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm, like, I'm willing to install that as the truth when someone tells me it in the film. Fine. Don't
2: forget, her and her husband also drank Egypt dry. I mean, how thirsty were they?
1: That's just greed.
2: But, but you see, later on when he wakes up again with a start... And he realizes <laughs> he can be in the sunlight and whatever. And there's all these bodies. I mean, that was just her. What? What's she doing? Does she just have like a little drop from each person?
1: She is a thirsty lady. Like she is thirsty.
2: She's
0: insatiable. <laughs> and she's thirsty in every sense of the word. Mm. Jessie meets her aunt Maharet at this point, and Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, cool. For all the desert purposes, <laughs> but um, uh, we get kind of the here's what you need to do to beat the villain bit. It's just the, like, the kind of the essential bit, getting a kind of grounding. They're going to drain her of her blood, and whoever drinks the last drop of Akasha's blood may not survive. Mm-hmm. The yeah. stakes have never been higher.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, she's planning on draining everyone. What is what is her endgame, actually? What, Akasha's. Yeah, I find her a very confusing character.
0: Joey?
2: Well, she wants to rule over the world again and that's why Maharet tries to say to her the world has changed and she says well then we will change it back
0: oh yeah that's and it's
2: right. like it's like no no you can't be the queen of the world <laughs> <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense i don't think humans are gonna bow down to you but yeah i think she just i think she just wants to be in power but there's like a lot of Maharet's backstory that we don't get like that Akasha like enslaved her and had her raped in front of everyone and stuff like mm, nice. it's very very dark yeah. so her kind of the reason why it has to be her in the end kind of makes sense if you know the rest of the story but it doesn't make sense in the context of the film because we just met maharet yeah no yeah
0: it, like with, without knowing that it feels really arbitrary
2: and then the, like the older the way older vampire the granddad vampire yeah. why couldn't he do it he's clearly about to shuffle off this mortal coil or immortal coil, A coil
1: yeah. you
2: know what i mean yeah. and why is he old why is he old? No one else is old. There's that other vampire that's young.
1: Like what Why? I, I, yeah. There, there is a young blonde male vampire who I, I, I find quite creepy and unsettling.
2: I find him very distracting and he only has about three lines.
1: Yeah, yeah. I
0: I, I don't like him.
2: Yeah, no, there's something going on with him. I don't trust him.
0: Uh right on cue... Um, Akasa and Lestat turn up for what is effectively the kind of final standoff of this sure yeah, yeah yeah
2: and it's over with you know rather quickly it's, yeah. it's literally will you come with me no okay well <laughs> we're gonna kill you <laughs> yeah There's, I mean the big, the big thing with this um, that I really don't like watching it as an adult is when Jesse's like Lestat what have they what has she done to you it's like <laughs> what Lestat's a fucking vampire what are you talking about <laughs> he looks the same (laughs) (laughs) like he doesn't look any different he doesn't look darker and then he says where is my crown
1: that's right he he has started wearing a kind of belt made of coins
2: yes i mean he does dress differently maybe that's what she means maybe she's like why are you dressing so crazy
0: (laughs) i think if that is what she means then what has she done to you is a really dramatic way of asking that question
2: but like this whole thing about you know he has to kill her to prove his love. I mean, how does Akasha even know there's anything between them? It's like you guys said, it's not like there's red hot chemistry. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Maybe that's just like a... oh,
2: clearly he loves her. <laughs>
1: uh, just a free between them. Yeah. Really. Um, I found uh, I know he's supposed to be pale. He's a vampire, and we've already discussed there could be potential blood flow issues. I found how pale his nipples were extremely distracting.
2: And how low cut the pants are! Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, they are, yeah. His pubes are nearly out.
1: Yeah, you can you can like see his mons.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, again, I I find it nice to look at. It is very pleasing to the eye, <laughs> but it doesn't make a lot of sense. Everybody else appears to be covered up and wearing like fifty layers, and he's just wearing nothing. <laughs> <Just laughs> he's prancing around. He wears he nothing for up, the whole film. But like, he gets up. He doesn't put a shirt on.
1: No, you nope.
2: You know, and and she has a top on, kind of.
1: She has a bikini on and a and, yeah. a and a sarong.
2: Yeah, well, she has like this metal thing on that like points down to her belly button. It like, well, it actually it points down to her vagina more, like. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an arrow.
0: Yeah, agrees.
2: <laughs> uh, which brings me to, <laughs> I I love the costumes in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I I just love them. I think they're amazing. It's so much velvet. and I mean, I used to dress like this, which is probably why I love it. It's like, I mean, it takes a lot of work, obviously. Being goth is very tough. I didn't wear jeans for, like, years because I was like, no jeans. But, <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I just think, like, some of his coats and even, like, Marius. Like, Marius looks so regal. And then the I like the difference between how the other vampires dress. Like, they have a lot of layers and they're more kind of old-timey. I just—it's mm. weird. There's so much attention to detail. It—it's—it's it's, the people all look very cool, even though they act ridiculous. Everyone looks cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Fair. Um, can I get like um, see, just want to get an understanding of what actually happens here. So um, <laughs> so um, Akasha orders Lestat to bite and therefore kill Jesse as a display, like, as a kind of act of devotion. You sure. Um, when Lestat bites her, does that kind of center him. Does i kind of like does he kind of like break free of her influence when he does that?
2: Well that's a good question. I thought I always thought he was faking it because when he is upset about all the corpses and she's like, oh they believed in nothing. Now they are nothing. You can see this kind of flash in his eyes of Uh oh. Right. This one's crazy.
0: <laughs> I have
2: to get away from her. So and then obviously like he's the one who kind of gives them the signal to like start attacking her. Yeah. But i don't know it's i yeah i thought he, i always thought he was faking it i always thought he kind of he copped on sooner and was just pretending right because, I don't know, because he was afraid or he was biding his time or whatever but i do like that he has to bite her boob you know <laughs> that little cut that she made with a with a literal sewing needle that she had That's on right, her yeah,
1: yeah yeah
2: you know he had to go for that
1: Yep. it's very
0: sexy <laughs> 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 but yeah, the, as you say, the vampires kind of mass on Akasha at this point. After he bites her, he kind of makes a the signal.
1: They attack. Yeah, yeah. Um, they kind of swarm her and they're all taking bites and gulps from her. She's kind of trying to throw them away and, and, and incinerating them, but she she starts to notice that her kind of powers are failing. Yeah. The blonde guy, sadly, just when you think he's about to burn and disappear, <laughs> he uh, doesn't. Um,
2: yeah and he and he sits up and then he does this look like michael myers he tilts his head to the side (laughs) and it's so goofy it's like what are you doing
0: and you you
2: know that actor was like i've got an idea i'm gonna do something
0: here
1: (laughs) no
2: way the direction was tilt your head
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna flesh out my character here (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah exactly i just want to give i just want to give a hint that this guy's kind of playful you know <laughs> <Kind of fun.
0: laughs> um Maharet steps in for the kill shot here final gulp yeah yep. her like well obviously and that happens and then we lose a akasha at this point her actual death pretty good i think yeah don't hate it
2: yeah it looks good
0: yep i uh, i think it looks really good and then Maharet turns to a marble statue
2: yeah, like uh, like Winifred at the end of Hocus Pocus, except she doesn't burst <laughs> into flames. You, <laughs> there is something we glossed over, though, that I, I really must mention. Mm-hmm. You know when Jessie first goes to this like vampire compound and she's thinking in her head, it's her, her narration, but she's thinking, oh, I want to stay with you forever, whatever. And then Maharak comes in and finishes the thought out loud? How I does she know what that? she's... So she says forever is a very long time, which is what... We saw earlier in a flashback when Jesse was a kid, yeah. but she's not saying it like Jesse isn't speaking out loud to herself. She's not talking to herself. And yet Maharet knows what she's thinking. Like, can vampires read minds?
0: Well, I believe they can. <laughs> uh, I believe it's called glamoring. Glamoring. So
2: strange.
0: Yeah. This is, this is um, uh, possibly another nod to what you were saying earlier, Joey, about the general elasticity about what vampires can do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. Maharette
2: like has been around a long time. Like, she's obviously more powerful than Lestat, and then Marius is more powerful too. But it's yeah, it's kind of unclear what they can actually do. I just always thought that was really goofy. Yeah,
0: but yeah. she's
2: Like, I know what you're thinking.
0: <laughs> um, we're basically out at this point. I mean, um, uh, we get uh, Jesse in vampire form revisiting yeah, David. Yeah,
2: way hotter.
0: Yeah, she's projecting way more confidence.
2: She's way hotter and she's got better hair.
0: She
1: does, yeah. And this is when you find out, like you said earlier, Joey, that uh, yeah, the band are continuing. No hint as to what their, their name might be.
2: But I mean, I don't understand why he can't go back to the band. Why can't he go back to the band? She can go with him Yeah, on tour and whatever. Like, But they're I mean, not doing.
1: they're not going to tour.
2: Like, what are they going to do without him? <laughs> There's no gimmick anymore. Yeah. I do like that he uh, gives the journal back to David as well, and David is so grateful. He's like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, he's
1: buzzing. He does say, uh, I'm too old to be a mortal.
2: Yes, which is a great line. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah that going, is a good line. Back yeah. to
1: that thing from earlier, presumably the old vampire was turned at whatever age he remains now.
2: It's so unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's so unlucky. Now he has to look like that forever and everyone's just going to be so confused by him.
1: I don't know. It adds a, it adds a level of kind of, a, a kind of dignified regal air to him, I think, looking old. a distinguished thing. Yeah. Okay. I got
2: I to gotta say, I love Marius turning up as well and that little look he gives them. Like, did he know he, that they were going to be there? Did he just turn up anyway? And then you see David like frantically looking through some papers and then you just hear his voice
0: oh yeah that's quite good
2: yeah I, and he just goes hello David <laughs> and, no, and it's like I don't know I get this sense that he's not going to kill him I think maybe they're going to be friends or something like they're going to or even be lovers I don't I know was,
1: I was going to say lovers yeah. I get a
2: vibe yeah. that he's into him
0: <laughs> yeah it's very sexy because
2: <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so funny when Marius sees David at the gig and again he goes hello David <laughs> and David's like what the fuck <laughs>
1: and then the film ends on the longest shot of two people walking I've ever seen in my life
2: okay but it's a great song it is a kidney thieves song it is great and I mean there's that great shot of Big Ben they are clearly in London (laughs) walking by Big Ben at night (laughs) time
0: and not at all in a studio in Sydney no no the fact that they're in in London is 100% not up for discussion
2: (laughs) it's such a badass ending Um, even though it makes no
0: sense
2: (laughs) like what happens if they get sick of each other what do they do then they're stuck together forever
0: yeah you got to be sure a lot there's a lot of
1: vampires out there plenty more fish in the sea
2: I think one of the weirdest things about this movie is how many vampires there appear to be in the world like when he shows her what it's like to be a vampire, he has to scare off another vampire who's already <laughs> kind of meant to be... You know what I mean? Then there's the vampires like in Times Square. It's just like, this seems like there's vampires everywhere. And when he leaves her alone in that park, I always think, what if another vampire comes along?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: like seriously, she's are we safe? I mean, people do not seem to be safe in this world. There are vampires everywhere.
0: I remember thinking actually, like right at the start at the press conference, I remember thinking that everyone seemed to be treating the fact that he was a vampire as 100% not a gimmick or an act, but everyone was just like treating that, one, that he actually was a vampire, and two, that that was immediately normalized and just accepted as being like no big deal whatsoever.
2: The only person who says that it's a gimmick is Jesse. She's the only one who says, you know, like everyone else, I just assumed he's a rock star with a gimmick. Mm. They do just kind of go, oh yeah, so uh, here's a completely normal question about your tour. Like, <laughs> would the questions not all be like, yeah, how long have you been alive? Yeah. Uh, when did you last feed? Yeah. Uh, do you have to go to the bathroom?
1: Yeah. <laughs> how much blood can you drink before you're sick? Where do you buy your clothes? <laughs> yeah. yeah!
0: Do you have a job? Like, do, do is you... there a
2: vampire economy? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> we have to know.
0: <laughs> oh man. Joey, I am very glad that I have seen this film. Thank you for suggesting yeah, it. Yeah. I think that the, about the first half hour of it, maybe, is like an absolute riot. And then I think that there's a kind of a fairly steep drop into a bit that I find quite laborious. But as you've touched on, I think that that might just be due to the fact that there's no new metal in it for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but given that, like, the story, because, like, Anne Rice's story is about a vampire who becomes, you know, a rock star. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was any other way to do this. The way they did it, for what the story is, makes complete sense. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's got a 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, that
0: that feels uncharitable.
2: You know, I think that feels quite harsh. I don't think it deserves a 12%. Although, there also was a real life murder in Scotland there that was apparently, apparently was influenced by Akasha.
1: No way. Yeah, the the guy yeah. who the guy who did the deed said that Akasha was talking to him and told him to do it.
2: Wow. Which is which is just crazy. Like, what did she sound like? <laughs> another um another thing I find really strange is that West Bentley was originally cast in the start role.
0: Really? Hmm. Yeah,
2: which would have just been—I don't know—it would have been so different.
0: Yeah, I quite like Wes Bentley, but um, I remember that series of American Horror Story that he's in. I remember mm-hmm. thinking oh my
2: which. god, I was going to say.
0: Yeah, if, I was like, if that's a, if that's a flavour of what you would have been getting, then you're better off without. They did approach Tom Cruise to take
1: on the role again, and he knocked it back.
2: There, there was quite a long break between Interview and this, though. What year was Interview?
1: I think that must have been about. I'm going to say, like, 93, 94? I thought it was 93,
0: 94, yeah, kind of time.
2: Like, I was very young when that came out because it was a big deal that, like, Kirsten Dunst was this, like, little kid in it. Yeah,
0: that's right. Little
2: kid vampire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Andy, this was your first watch of this in a long time and it sounds like you'd Mm -hmm. kind of forgotten so much about it that it was very much kind of, like, coming at it with fresh eyes. Yeah, I saw this in the cinema.
2: Lucky. (laughs) (laughs)
0: and I couldn't really uh, I didn't really remember
1: anything at all about it really, Um, it was just one of those things that seemed to just erase itself from my my mind when I left the cinema I think it's a really it's quite an interesting little time capsule of a film in terms of the music, in terms of the way it's actually made, in terms of the effects in terms of the costumes I I think it is a really nice little nod to a very particular time Um, and it's a time that I remember quite fondly. I had big fucking stupid jeans and Adidas shell toes, and I and I wanted to be in con. Watching it now gave me a level of nostalgia that I didn't expect. But I don't think it's a
0: particularly good film. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I'm a little bit the same. I think that um, the because I, I I think that this film is okay, okay overall, and and I but I think that a lot of the heavy lifting for kind of winning me over was done by the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. and the kind of nods to that kind of thing but no it was a really interesting shout it's one of those things that i just kind of assumed somewhere along the line i'd have seen it and i hadn't and i just had never gotten around to it so i'm glad i had the chance to now (laughs) (laughs) on this and this forum yeah exactly (laughs) joy before we finish up is there anything that you are working on right now anything like that that you would like to take a minute to talk about
2: um i'm trying to think because i work so much (laughs) now Um, I wrote this piece about women in horror and how women kind of took over horror in 2018 yeah. and looking forward yeah. to 2019. It's like pinned on my Twitter. So that's kind of the, my favorite thing that I've written in the last couple of months. But oh, and then I reviewed Lords of Chaos, which I'm just so excited about. Talking about how music fucking influences a movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's kind of probably a better example <laughs> of a metal movie.
0: Um, we're seeing that at Fest Glasgow in a couple of weeks. Um, I oh can't wait. Oh my god,
2: you're. Like, you're in for a treat. I hounded that PR for that screener. I emailed. I got nothing. I emailed again a week later. I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> I have to see this. I have to. It has to be me. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. It's It's really, really good and really dark. And I think what I think is really funny about it is that there's a lot of people out there who don't know anything about Mayhem. And I've seen yes, so many yeah. reviews where the reviewer will just be like, oh, yeah, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. And I'm like... But the most fun part is going to be all the people who don't know what's going to, like, I have a critic friend who saw it months ago. And he was like, oh, I can't believe so-and-so dies so early on because he thought he was the lead. Yeah, right. So it's like, that's what's going to be so fun about it, is that people who don't know the story who are going to watch it and think, oh, my God, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it gets even worse.
0: <laughs> Where can people get you on social media to uh, find these things?
2: Some on Twitter, Joey LDG, which stands for Living Dead Girl, because that was my handle when I was a blogger. Yes. Also a Rob Zombie song. Like <laughs> I said, I'm really cool. <laughs> and I don't talk about Queen of the Damned that much. <laughs> but let's just say I'm very glad that my mother threw out all of my journals from when I was a teenager, because there were a lot of Queen of the Damned things in there <laughs> that nope. are probably a bit disturbing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I bet they were very sick. <laughs>
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm sure there were lots, lots of like pictures stuck in with comments on them. (laughs) It was like my Twilight, though. That's what, and it's way cooler than Twilight. Although Twilight is a great film in its own way, only because it's a Catherine hardwick film, not because it's actually a great story.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Understood.
2: I can hear the pause of like what.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um. But yeah. But Twitter is the best place to get you though. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter. Cool. Uh, Joey, thanks so much for doing this with us. This has been such a laugh. This has been excellent
2: having me i'm sure i was like at the top of your list (laughs) (laughs) i'm just over here in my little corner talking about queen of the damned
0: (laughs) well that was an absolute blast i had a ball with that (laughs) that was fucking excellent yeah massive Uh, thank you to joey keogh for taking the time to come on and talk queen of the damned with us uh, i never thought i would hear someone
1: uh come on to defend a film like queen of the damned and defend it so well and with such clear love for the film. Yeah,
0: I think that the best kind of balance you get is um, an obviously kind of well-ingrained love for the film, but also a kind of awareness of its ridiculousness, which I think she had both of. Yes, I, yes. Would, I would agree with that, yeah. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end of another one that's all the time we have.
1: Yeah, that's all the time we have, and we we'll shout shut out a time.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but we will, of course, be back on Monday with another mini Minisoad where we will have everything that you have come to know and hopefully love. Will we be talking about what we've been watching? I would imagine so. Will there be uh, any listener feedback? Uh, I certainly hope so. (laughs) Me too.
1: Um, (laughs) Will you watch a shortwaves film? Maybe. (laughs) And will there be Mitch's
0: pitches? There will definitely be Mitch's pitches. So join us then. Get in touch in the interim if you would like. (laughs) <laughs> we it ser- open ended we, sure certain- we certainly yeah whatever get in touch no we would of course love to hear from you Facebook and Instagram we are Strong Language Violent Scenes you can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and you can of course email though no one ever does Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com I'm closing that email address honestly <laughs> that's just <is> fucking embarrassing yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there's loads of places you can
1: listen to is that a fact (laughs) it's a stone cold fact Mitch Uh, yeah you can get us on Spotify Stitcher iTunes uh, Acast Mm -hmm. TuneIn Google Podcasts and our home and hosts Podbean Podbean. and if you could see your way clear to just dropping us off a little like or a follow or a a review if you're you're
0: feeling particularly sexy rate, review, subscribe (laughs) sexiest thing you can do (laughs) We will be back on Monday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.